This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 18th of September, 2008. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, Doing anything interesting the last couple of weeks? I haven't. I've been uh, working hard and staying indoors due to the inclement weather. <laughs> yes, well, for once I've got inclement weather outside my window as well. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> but one thing I did recently, and it's not related to a podcast topic, but it's related to technology, is I went out and bought myself a Nintendo Wii and the Wii Fit that comes with it. Awesome. And I was just thinking, like, it's, I think the last time I ever played computer games was Pac-Man in the 80s, and technology's changed a bit since then. The, You're joking. <laughs> it's quite impressive. I'm, I'm really impressed with the, the Wii Fit, which I'm trying to use regularly to, to improve my muscle toning and so on. And uh, it's, uh-huh. just very, it's just very well done, and I guess having a bit of a software background as well, I'm very impressed with the with the programming that's gone to design something like that. Yeah, computer games are certainly an impressive area of uh, computer technology, aren't they? There's a lot of effort goes into them these days. Yes, and I think there's a lot of stuff that comes out of gaming that is used in other applications. That's right, yes. Um, so getting on to our topic for, for this podcast is in fact related to what we talked about in the previous podcast. So the previous podcast we talked about the idea of tapping into expertise on the internet and we talked about two broad areas uh, which we called phone a friend which is finding individual experts and then ask the audience which is tapping into collective wisdom or groups of experts on the internet. And that second one, the, the ask the audience generally takes the, the form of online forums on the internet. And it's been around, well, long before we were using the internet, Chris, and that's 20 years ago. And so we thought we'd take this podcast to talk about that in a bit more detail. When we were planning this podcast, we, well, we don't script the podcast, but we put a little bit of, put a few notes together. And when you and I combined our notes, we found that there was probably enough information for two podcasts, and so that's what we're going to do. So today we're going to be talking about how to participate as a reader in forums and not as a contributor, and in the next podcast we'll talk about how to be a contributor to forums as well. Yeah, Gihan, online discussion forums are a really powerful way of tapping into uh, cyberspace's collective intelligence, Um, and as you say, uh, it's been around for as long as the internet has been around that we've had uh, online discussion forums in one form or another. And in thinking about it, I I could come up with three different types of online discussion forums. So perhaps we could start by uh, introducing those. Good idea. Yep, go ahead. Well, the first of those um, is email-based, and that's just email mailing lists where groups of people with common interests subscribe to a mailing list, and then a discussion takes place uh, via email. It's as simple as that. And I guess one of the things we should say is that there are a number of people who publish email newsletters where it's only one-way communication, where the, the publisher publishes and a whole mailing list gets to read it. But what we're talking about here is where everyone can contribute. Yeah, good point, Gihan. That's an important distinction, isn't it? So, yeah, everyone who subscribes to the mailing list is free to um, post to the list, and then everyone who's a subscriber receives that posting and then, again, are free to respond. So th- so those mailing lists have pretty much been around for as long as email has been around, which is pretty much since the birth of the Internet. Uh, and then uh, more recently, 
1979, in fact, um, a system of online discussion groups called Usenet News Groups was established. Um, and that's, again, a, a separate system from email. It's a, a system whereby a set of discussion groups were set up online and people could, using particular newsreader software, go and read those groups, and if they wanted to make postings to the groups, and anyone who was a subscriber to the groups could read those postings and contribute. And that's kind of when like, we were using it, not in 1979, but in about 1987, 88. Yep. And they were really popular at the time, weren't we? And we used to use them quite extensively as part of our university work and also as part of our personal work, I guess. Yeah, the number of um, subjects and news groups covered was immense and it was everything from professional and technical subjects to recreational and uh, general interest uh, news groups as well. And we found, yeah, they were very popular and we used them a lot. Yeah, and I think part of the popularity was there was no World Wide Web at the time, so that was really the way that people would communicate in groups. Yeah, and just like uh, mailing lists still exist to this very day, so does Usenet, so do Usenet news groups. Um, but with the inception of the World Wide Web, they sort of uh, uh, people lost interest in them to a, to a degree. They became the poor cousin to the World Wide Web uh, and web forums in particular, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, they, they still exist. And um, what happened was a company called Deja started archiving uh, the Usenet news groups so that you could access them via the web. And then Google thought that's really good, and they acquired Deja. And so now, if you go to groups.google.com, which is Google's web forums and discussion groups, you can find the archive of Usenet news groups and you can access them via the web. Right, right. So it is, so even though that's something that's been around for years and is no longer still in use in its current format, you can still go back and search all the, all the old stuff if you need to. That's right. It's archived way back till the early 80s, not right back till 1979, but uh, from the early 80s onwards, every posting to Usenet um, has been archived and can be accessed via groups.google.com. Right. Okay, good. Good. And you also mentioned web forums, and I guess that's the, the third type of forum, isn't it? That's right. That's where we are now, Gihan. So along came the World Wide Web, and everybody thought, wow, this is great. And so I started setting up discussion groups uh, on web pages that were web-based. And there are a vast number of them, as we know. Uh, there are websites that are purely web forums, and then there are websites that have, as part of them, a web forum to discuss what that particular website is about. Yes, so there are a number of uh, technical organizations or even big retail companies who might have a might have a forum now where customers can get in there and and communicate with each other rather than just communicating back with the organization yeah it's it's a great idea, and the organizations keep an eye on uh, those groups so that they can help out any of their customers that are have got problems that the the group uh, that that other individuals aren't able to solve for them so chris the Forums are things that both you and I have got a lot of value out of, and I guess we should talk about explicitly some of the benefits of forums and, and really like why they're particularly valuable now. Absolutely, absolutely. They're, I found them uh, useful in my professional and technical life and also uh, in, as part of my social life as well, so they are really powerful and useful. Yeah, and I, I think the same for me, that I've, I find that forums sometimes will give you an answer that you can't get on 
company's official website. So, for example, if something goes wrong on my PC, which happens fairly regularly, and uh, <laughs> I get some sort of error message, whether it's from a Microsoft product like Windows or it could be from Adobe Acrobat or any of the other bits of software that I'm using, if I get an error message, the first thing I'll do is go to Google, type in the exact words of the error message, and it'll usually find for me a forum where somebody else has had the same question. They've asked that question and somebody else has answered it. And that answer is just as applicable to me. Yeah, that's right. And I think you, you've hit on the, the best way of coming across discussion forums. And that is to type in a few keywords into a search engine like Google. And forum postings are often amongst the highest ranked search results that uh, Google will turn up. Yes, and I think that's one of the differences between now and the way it used to be. Previously, you had to know where to go to find the information. Now you don't. Like you just go to Google and Google will find it. Now I find that's a huge benefit because it means that I don't have to necessarily be a regular member of an Adobe Acrobat technical support forum. I can just go to Google when I need it and then still find, my, find myself the answer. Yeah, and one of the, the great things about, uh, about the, the access of the web to forums, so not just web forums and things like Deja News' archive, uh, mailing lists are also archived on the web in many cases. And so mailing lists... Usenet news groups and web forums are all readily accessible by search engines like Google. Now, I guess one other thing I think is worth saying, we talked about web forums and Facebook is, of course, a website, but lots of people think of it as something completely separate. And Facebook itself allows you to set up any forum you like and other Facebook members can participate that's right. Uh, one of the problems with Facebook, though, Gihan, was that it was a bit, it was closed, wasn't it? You couldn't really access any of Facebook's website, web pages unless you signed up uh, for an account and logged in, and that included search engine software. Yes, and uh, in fact, in the last couple of weeks, I think I sent you an article recently that said that Facebook is opening up access to things like discussion forums so that they will get eventually indexed in Google. Yeah, they've, they've realized how powerful it is. Uh, how powerful search engine traffic is, and so by opening access to their discussion groups and getting them indexed in search engines, they'll drive a lot of traffic uh, to Facebook discussion groups and hopefully sign up a lot more new members. Yeah. So let's talk about how to find them. We've mentioned Google. I guess we've kind of in passing mentioned Facebook. What are the other things that you use to find forums? Generally, I use a search engine like Google, Gihan, but something I've noticed is that not all of the Usenet news groups are showing up in my standard Google searches. So if I remember to, and sometimes I forget, I go to groups.google.com if I, if I want to particularly focus my search on things like Usenet news groups. Uh, and then sometimes if it's a particular topic area, I know exactly where to go because I've been there before. So if it's a technical problem with the Java programming language, I almost always go straight to Sun's Java developers community and look in the forums there. So sometimes it's just my my own experience tells me where to look or I use a search engine. Yeah, that's, a, that's an important distinction, Chris, because I think what you're saying is that sometimes it's some random thing that you, you want help on, and so you just start with somewhere like Google and do a search. But other times, the forum is is a community that's related to what you do in your in your in your life. So it might be a technical forum, it might be a business related forum, it might be a personal forum, and that's the sort of place where you can like, metaphorically hang out 
on the internet. And so it's worth finding a forum like that and going to it regularly or participating in it regularly, um, not just whenever you need help. That's right, yeah. So how about you, Gihan? How do you come across or discover uh, online discussion forums? Well, it's, well, you know, Chris, I've got a first step member community which has its own forum um, so there's a there's a first step membership site and the software that i use for that is some um, publicly available software it's a website called ning n-i-n-g ning.com allows anybody to set up a membership community so one of the places that you can go to find forums and i found a few relevant forums this way is go to the ning website and do a search because ning indexes all its member communities and some of them are private and some of them are public uh, so that's one place I've gone to, um, and I'd recommend if you're if you're interested in finding forums in your area of expertise, one place to start is to go to Ning and search for you know, sales or leadership or, in my case, my market is professional speakers and trainers and consultants. So I actually searched for professional speakers and I came up with a couple of forums on Ning. Um, and the same thing in Google. I just went to Google and. Uh, I mentioned earlier I searched for specific problems, but also when I was looking for a forum, like a community, I'd search for like professional speaker forum or sales and leadership forum, or marketing forum, whatever your area of expertise is. And you might find not a particular forum post, but the, the forum itself. Right, I see. Now, when it comes to Ningi, how is it a little bit like Facebook in that you need to become a member of a particular Ning community in order to uh, look at it more closely or, or not? It's up to the person who set up the community. So they've got three levels of access, actually. So there's one is it's completely free to look around and participate, so you don't have to sign up for anything. The second one is where you can look around but not contribute. And the third one is you have to register to be a member before you can participate. Actually, there's a fourth one where you have to be invited to be a member. So the first step one, which is private and it's a paid resource, um, you can't just register. Even if you just register, you can't join until I approve you. Um, so there's different levels of access and it's up to the person who sets up that community. Most of them that I've seen uh, require you to register, but they're free registration. Okay. Um, one of the other things, Chris, while we're on the subject of Ning, is that because it's so easy to set up a membership community in Ning, and literally you can set one up in an hour and have a reasonably professional-looking membership community, lots of people do them, and lots of them lie abandoned. Uh, okay. There's like nobody contributes, nobody participates, nobody joins, and eventually the person who sets it up just decides, well, there's no activity and it doesn't they are they can delete it but quite often they're just sitting there um unused so one of the things you have to look for is forums that are actually active and so you look for recent uh, people posting stuff recently yeah i think that's a, a good general rule when it comes to using discussion forums particularly if it's problem solving is to look at the currency of that of the information that's being supplied. So a particular solution might have been a solution that was put in a Usenet news group in 1985 for uh, a particular problem, and there might be much better solutions uh, that have come out since then. So, um, yeah, just because web indexes and web forums can be indexed right back to the early 80s, uh, it's important to just take a look at when the actual posting was uh, submitted, the date on it, and check that it's current. Yes, in fact, that 
leads me to a bit of an aside, actually, because it's not about forums, but it's a news story that I saw recently where a company's stock uh, was damaged. The, the stock value went down because some news organization indexed an old news story from years ago and a number of websites that were looking out for latest news on this company, they picked it up and because it was just recently added to the index, it suddenly appeared and people thought, you know, that they made an assessment based on news that was three or four years old and it actually damaged the company's stock value. Right. So a good buying opportunity. There, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're right. It's a it's a good precaution to always look at the date of the advice that's given. And you were talking about Ning and we've been talking about Facebook. I think community websites like that, these Web 2.0 social networking websites, are probably the, the latest innovation in online discussion forums. So they're more than just um, postings of discussions. They're things like blogs and images and all the other paraphernalia that goes along with communities. Yes, they've certainly become much more powerful, haven't they? So when we were using it in 1988... You generally were identified as a as a contributor to the forum. You were just identified by your email address and maybe a little signature line, so a few lines that you put at the bottom of every every time that you contributed to the community. Whereas now, many of these uh, things like Ning and many of these other systems allow you to set up quite a detailed profile about yourself. You can put a photo. You can um, link back to your website, and so you get a lot more information about the people in the forum. It feels, well, there's more information that makes it feel like a community. Although I would say that way back 20 years ago, there was a pretty strong community feel in some of the forums that we participated in. Yeah, I think so. The, the, the very active forums, you got to know uh, some of the posters and, uh, and yeah, you could make a judgment about uh, their postings based on that. But as you say, these days... There's more explicit information available. And one of the useful things is the ability to rank postings. So to uh, give a, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down to a particular posting, as well as um, information about how many postings a particular contributor has made and, again, ranking that, that particular individual's contributions as well. Yes, and in fact, some of the forums that I'm a member of, you can, when you see somebody posting to the forum, you can click on their name and... First, you can see them, see information about themselves, but you can also click something somewhere else to see everything that they've ever, ever posted in that forum, which gives you an idea of their tone, the, you know, how, how often they react to things as opposed to make considered responses. And you get a feel for that, them as a person. In fact, I used uh, that kind of service when we were, when I was doing research for this topic, Gihan, to go back into the Usenet archives on groups.google.com and type in your name and found that you'd made a lot of postings to cricket yes. uh, use groups. <laughs> That's right. And I, if I look back at them, I'd probably be embarrassed for some of the things I said. But this was way back in probably the mid-90s was when I was starting to do that. Uh, so, yes, it was something that uh, was something that w- was available at the time. And it was one of the things that now there is a there is a worldwide website for Cricket, which is called crickinfo.com, and they have a similar sort of concept where it's a little bit different. It's more like a blog where somebody writes an article, so one of their staff writers writes an article, but then people can comment, and it becomes, in effect, like a like a discussion about that topic. And uh, it's interesting that in that 20 years, people are just as rabid and as passionate about cricket as, as they have always been. <laughs> 
But I think that's an important point, isn't it, that this information is um, out there and it's almost permanent and so perhaps can give us, uh, perhaps that's a talking point for our next podcast about being mindful of the fact that these are permanent records of your discourse on a particular topic and to be mindful of that when you're making posts to discussion forums. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and we'll definitely cover that in more detail next time. But while we're on the topic, let's talk about some of the things you should do as a as a user of a forum, as say, as a reader of a forum without necessarily being a contributor. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I guess the, the first thing is that the term lurking which is uh, which sounds nasty, but it's, in fact it just means that you join a forum or you go to a website where you observe a forum, but you don't participate. You don't want it to lurk forever because forums thrive by people contributing, but at the same time you don't want to jump in and just display your complete you know, lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge about how the forum operates. So I certainly recommend any time you find a forum that you're interested in, the first thing to do is to look. Just, just sit there, read, observe, or of course if it's a mailing list, it'll come into your inbox. If it's an online forum, you go to the website and just see what people are saying. I guess there are two kinds of activity that you might be interested in when it comes to looking for online discussion forums. The first is for perhaps just a quick answer. You've got uh, some weird error message from Windows or some other bit of software and you're just looking for a quick solution. So, yeah, it's typing some words into some keywords into Google, finding an answer in an online discussion forum. But the other thing is perhaps an area of interest that you have that's a bit more persistent and you'd like to uh, perhaps be part of a community that discusses, discusses that topic. And as you advise, uh, just lurk, just uh, um, subscribe to the forum in one way or another and see what kind of discussion goes on and whether it's worth uh, being part of that community you know, for the longer term. Yes, and one thing you you pointed out, Chris, which I hadn't thought about um, in your in your notes as we were preparing, was the thing about RSS feeds. And you know, with email, you can get the forum messages straight into your inbox, but now with web pages, you can get a similar thing using something called RSS. That's right. We've talked about web feeds in a previous podcast, Gihan, and I find them uh, a much more preferable way of subscribing to a discussion forum if they're if that's available. So rather than having to sign up for an account and um, and and then receive contributions from the web forum by email or having to repeatedly visit a web forum, uh, visit its website, if an RSS feed is supplied, then you can just use your web feed client to subscribe to that feed and then you get the posts straight in that client. In, in, in my case, it's my email software. Yes, and in my case, I use Google's free uh, reader website, so Google Reader. It's just in my web browser and every so often I just click the link and see what's, what's new in the blogs and the forums that I've uh, subscribed to. Yeah, it takes a lot of the legwork out of uh, keeping abreast of the discussion forums that you're interested in. Yes. I guess the other, the, most of the other comments that we're going to make about forums are really about participating, aren't they, So we'll, and contributing. So we'll talk about that in the next podcast. Uh, but there is one other thing that I think is, is worth talking about here, Chris, and that's the idea of how do you evaluate the information in a forum? Because it's probably, even though we say you should be more considered and more careful about participating, not everybody is, and some people just see a forum as a fairly informal way, uh, informal place for them to state an opinion or rant or whatever. So what are some of the things that you do to evaluate the quality of information you see in a forum? I think the the first the first thing is to realise that exactly that kind of thing does take place in many discussion forums. 
that um, it's pretty much, and this is by invitation only, like some of the Ning communities that you've described, pretty much anyone can subscribe and can rant away if they want to. So I think you need to be aware that it happens in the first place. And once you're aware of that, once you're forewarned or you're forearmed, and so you can take comments with a grain of salt and do the necessary research um, before embarking upon uh, taking what someone says in a web forum as being gospel. Yes, so for example, if I find an error message uh, and I'm investigating the error message that I find and somebody in the forum says, look, here's a download from my website of a little tool that will fix it, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) But if they say go to the Adobe website and here's where you can find they've got a patch for this software, then I'm more likely to trust them. So you're absolutely right that you take what they say with a grain of salt and take the advice of the offer equally. Absolutely. And I think in more active forums, you'll find that postings like that that are malicious in that case, or people just ranting, um, there'll be follow-ups from people saying, you know, um, pull your head in or this download is clearly malware or whatever. So because it's part of an active forum, those posts are, are moderated to a degree. Um, and also the, the the modern web forums that allow you to rank posts uh, explicitly, thumbs up and thumbs down and that sort of thing, make uh, those sorts of posts more obvious that they are dangerous or malicious or someone just ranting. Right, and I think you've really hit the nail on the head, Chris, that the the main thing is awareness. So it's just realising that not all websites are created equal and web forums are just websites. They just happen to be websites where lots of people can contribute and I guess it's something with Web 2.0 in general, that you just have to be aware that this is not necessarily somebody who's thought about what they're contributing. This is just anybody can contribute, and it's so easy to do that you just have to realize that it's like standing out in the town square and asking for advice as opposed to going into a group of academics on that on that topic and asking them for advice. Absolutely. Well, as we said, we're going to talk in our next podcast about participating and contributing in forums. Uh, Any last comments that you have? I think um, this contribution point that we've been making is is the key, that uh, online discussion forums are are very useful, and they are useful because they've been contributed to. People will be waiting with bated breath for our next podcast about contributing to online discussion forums. Yes, and look, and if you can find the time and you want some homework if you're listening to this I suggest you go and find some forums and even if it's one or two in the in an area of interest so the personal interest or technical business interest I think it's worthwhile just finding out what forums are especially if you're if you're new to them so I suggest start with uh, Ning start with Facebook if you're a Facebook member see what forums are available and start with Google just search and see if you can find forums that and don't take part in them just sit there and lurk so thank you Chris we've come to the end of another interesting podcast Um, we'll be back in two weeks time and we already know the topic for then so I look forward to speaking with you then thanks Gihan speak with you in two weeks time bye for now you've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.